Welcome back to Hello, Snackcast. So um, we're kind of in the twilight, if you will, of the great cholesterol myth. Um, it looks like there's a lot after this chapter, but it's really, it's the references. The, to, to a lot of the stuff. Appendix A, and, Appendix B. Yep. Um, so all the info in the book is documented in the back. So um, um, for all intents and purposes, this is really the last chapter. It's a pretty interesting yeah, um, you know, chapter 12, uh, the science of healthy living, eat, laugh, play, and love. Um, I think it's things we already know, right? Right. Don't take life too seriously. Well, I think know? that's, I found it a very interesting way to end the book because so much of the book has been on science and, you know, the, the, the effects of statins, the side effects of statins, HDL, LDL, all of these like, um, you, you know, cited, look, look at this study, look at this study, look at this study. And to end it with a, don't take yourself too serious. Right. Is, I mean, it's, it's. Breathe deeply, relaxation, meditation, laughing, loving, right? Um, I thought this was interesting. A, a cardiologist, Herbert Benson, has been doing pioneering research, research on meditation and deep breathing for decades. Um, he coined the term relaxation response to a physical state of deep rest that changes physical and emotion response to states. And then according to him, the Benson Henry Institute, between 60 and 90% of all doctor visits are for complaints related to or affected by stress. Yep. So, um, yeah, his, he's quoted, scores of diseases and conditions are either caused or made worse by stress. These include anxiety, mild or moderate depression, anger, hostility, hot flashes of menopause, infertility, PMS, high blood pressure, and heart attacks. You know, Every one can be caused by or exacerbated by stress. So, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, you and I were talking, should we end this uh, like part of this chapter? And I'm kind of having a second... Second uh, thoughts on this? Maybe we. This is more of a deep dive than I had actually anticipated. Well, I want to. Uh, I, I'm. I'm going to ping your. Um, your faith a little bit. Ready? Yeah. So, one of the things that they talked about was expressing your emotions in a healthy way, and in parentheses and exclamation points, they say especially for men. Um, but they talked about a writing exercise developed by psychologist James Pennebaker, where basically four or five times a week you sit down and you put your deepest thoughts and emotions about any event, situation, person, or even trauma on the paper. Mm -hmm. And you just go through that exercise of putting it down. Did you correlate it to anything you actively do? Parenting. I mean, I, I, maybe that's a I, – I have a prayer list if that's what you're asking about, right? Is that what you're talking about? My prayer cards, yeah, my prayer list. So, t t tell the viewer what you do, what the so, exercise So, is. every day um, I get into the office, you know, get a glass of water, do the restroom, whatever, come back in, sit down, and I try to have the very – Heather, if you're watching this, this is why I close my door. But uh, very first – part of the day 10 minutes not very long uh i sit there in prayer and i write down prayer cards and it's 
things that are people are going through that I that they've made known to me that I sit and meditate and pray on and things that are in my life that I meditate and pray on. And if you are a person of faith, I really strongly encourage you to do this. You'd be surprised how many times your prayers are actually answered. Um, there are a few times that there are heartbreakingly prayers that are not answered. And I think it's really good for you to look back. I think it does a couple things. I think it preserves, as crazy as it sounds, taking that thing that you wish to happen in the future and kind of putting it into the now takes the stress away. It's, there's a certain aspect of, from a faithful perspective, I've given it to God and it's out of my hands. Yeah. Well, it's a full disclosure. You've told me you've been doing this for some time. I don't even, you know, remember when you picked it up. And um, I just kind of thought, well, it's a cool exercise to um, standardize your prayer efforts, right? I didn't really think much beyond that. But reading this and correlating that it's actually a, a technical process to help elicit that what what did he call it the relaxation response mm -hmm. right and that you've kind of been doing it all along and i i don't think you did it with that intent that um the, you know it was correct me if i'm wrong it was more just you learned to like because it allowed you to reflect on stuff that you know months later i thought it was almost a challenge like somebody said Test what God can do in your life. And it, you look back and you like, solved, 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 solved. Eh, eh, not, not really. Solved, solved, solved. And I was like, I was like literally overwhelmed with, you know. And the other thing, you look back and you look at it and go, many of these issues that I was actually praying about weren't as hard as I thought they were when they when I was in the moment oh, of them. Oh, sure, sure. Right? So that is a really interesting segue into a conversation that I had with my son today. So son's feeling the stress of athletics and where he's at physically and mentally with regard to sports and that kind of thing. And the conversation took hold. I, I wanted him to understand anxiety a little bit more. And I said, you know, can you tell me about anxiety? And he's like, so what do you think it is? Well, it's when you get stressed out about something that's about to come or whatever. I said, I'm very good. Right. Do you think anxiety is good or bad? And he goes, you know, he's, there's a, he's, he's doing the dad's got an angle here. Yeah, right? right. So he's like he's trying to figure it out. It's bad. And I was like, it can be bad. But is it always bad? And he said, no. You know, and that's when I knew it was, there's an opening here. And I said to him, I said, anxiety can be good if you're not putting, let's say you're a student athlete and you're not putting in the work and you're worried about your grades or you're worried about that you haven't lifted in four weeks or if you're worried about... It, cause, it could cause you to push into the moment of the now and go, hey, I got to get this stuff done that I've been procrastinating about. Anxiety in that instance can be good. As a fuel. As a fuel. But when he has done all the work that he has and he has done it all, I, I kind of equated it to the Jesus in the bread basket that you give thanks to God and you hold your hand up and you go, I've done all the work I can do. It's now in your hands. And he was like... I was like, that's when anxiety can be a bad thing. When you live in the future 
and you've done everything that you possibly can right this minute, it there's nothing else you can do. You have to let it go. You have to let it go. Yeah. And I think that that getting back to the heart message about stress relief is huge when it's right there. Yeah. If that makes sense. So another part, there were two more that really kind of caught me um, in an interesting way. Uh, one of them was play. And I it, I was like, yeah, okay, well, I play, right? I go to the driver range. I, I play golf. I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting stuff. too, yeah. And no, they were, they were specific in that play is totally different. Play is when there is no outcome. No predetermined outcome. No score. There's no goal. There's no score. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't ever play. I'm always, whether it's with my kids, I'm trying to beat them, you know, whether it's going fishing, there's the anxiety of getting that next fish. You know, it's, um, I can't tell you the last time I did something just for the sake of doing nothing. Well, you know, I guess you said the anxiety of getting the next fish and, and how important is it to live? How many people, and I do it, you know, hypocrite right here. How many people live in the future or in the past and not in the now? I mean, there's a there's a really weird book. If you've, <laughs> I've told you about it before. It's really weird. It's like a spiritual not really you know it's called the power of now and it the whole point of the book is the future hasn't happened and the past is already gone i mean i'm summing up the book in like one sentence right, right. but it's like a whole book of this stuff and like there's nothing else to worry about it's really it's really weird if you need a weird book that's it but it's it's incredibly powerful that it causes you to always focus on what's actually going on now you know, because I think that's where a lot of stress lives. Oh, sure. You sure. I, I'm worried about the outcome. Dude, it's, um, you know, I watch my kid play soccer and I want I, him I, to get the goal. You get that anxiety. Or the assist or the, you know, I don't want him to get beat when he's on defense. I, it's like when you really think about all of the externalities you focus, you know, energy to, at least me. So much of it is potentially negative. And in the moment, you're not even thinking of it that way. So, you know, going back to just stress and eliciting a, a relaxation effect. I can't tell you the last time I did it. You know, and, and a bottle of bourbon maybe would get me there. You know, <laughs> And that's probably why I think a lot of people numb. They know sure. they're, they're shut the mind. They, they, I told you before, my mind moves a hundred thousand miles an hour. And yep. the only time sometimes when I, it doesn't move a hundred thousand miles an hour is when I've had a few. It's like, Ooh, right. Right. So I get it. I, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm just saying yeah. that's why people do some of the things that they do. So just, you know, they did, they talked about breathing and breathing exercises. They talked about crying and laughing. Um, the one, the other one that I thought was really inter yeah. inter interesting was intimacy and, and, um, specifically they call it sex, the advantages of, of intimacy, but they studied a bunch of, uh, there was a Russian guy and he studied 15,000 people. And, um, one of the common, uh, I forget the language, but one of the things that the people who lived to be the oldest were involved in 
was intimacy with their partner and like into their 90s. And I'm right. like, it still works. <laughs> what, you know? They're not taking statins. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, um, an active sex life well into their 80s and 90s. Feelings of warmth, connectedness. I, I was going to say, emotional I think intimacy. that they're. Well, you hear these stories all the time. These people are married for 70 years and the one spouse dies and the other spouse dies two weeks later. I mean, it's. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. You know, and there's a purpose in connectivity and whether there's sex there or not, there's certainly I think it's more intimacy. The intimacy, right, than it is the act. Because obviously companionship, sex by itself can can be inherently. My, my, my 20-year-old you know, me would hate when, me right now. You know that, right? <laughs> Talking about intimacy. Right. Companionship. <laughs> Who is this right, guy? Right. Hey, right. The other thing I thought was interesting was um, uh, heart math. They go into a section on heart math, and they say that the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends information to the heart, meaning there is something else very soul-like that seems to be going on that – whether it's, you know, the heart, as we call it, the heart or the soul that is being signals, causing signals to be sent to the brain that the brain interprets these as feelings. Yeah. 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 So um, for, for the record, heart math, it's a nonprofit, I guess, and they've developed an app. And what they want to do is is get the mind and the heart and they line. use two words, coherence mm-hmm. and convergence. I'm not sure if that was a typo in the book or if one of them specifically should be used, but basically getting them aligned. And um, so you put this thing on your ear that monitors your heart rate and you go through, I don't know how long, five, 10 minutes, I would imagine, of thinking positive thoughts. And if your heart rate is elevated, then you're not in convergence or coherence. If your heart rate comes down while you think these positive thoughts, your brain and your mind are communicating in a healthful way. They're on the same plane. Um, so apparently through this app, you have to buy the ear thing. I think the app is free. Um, the app is called Inner Balance. And but you can I think I'm gonna check it out. Have a regular exercise to try and keep the heart and the mind on the same One of of the goals of the heart math practice is to be able to focus on things like gratitude, love, appreciation, service, peace, and joy, and to know that your heart will respond in kind with all the health benefits that accrue with that. Yep. So, yeah, man, again, just kind of wrapping up the the end of the book. I thought it was really interesting that they they took the path of... There's all these physical things, and then there's this really, this thing that we don't know much about. Right, right. And, you know, they do reference some studies. They actually open the chapter with something in 1975 when they kind of created this path of um, research. But, yeah, man, if you're not um, involved in in healthy relationships, you know, loving relationships, um, if there's gratitude, man, like waking waking up every day and going is really pretty heavy. You know. I, I mentioned the movie Joe versus the Volcano to you about 100,000 times. And, you know, he goes to this dreary work job and he hates his life. And, 
He's, you know, still never uh, seen it. And then <laughs> I know, but again, then what he then he starts to be thankful, and this world opens up to him, and it's like that he didn't know existed. And I think yeah. that there's so many of us that live in that dreary. You hate your job, you hate your spouse, you hate your kids, you hate your commute, you hate, you hate, 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 yeah. hate, hate, and that's not gonna. That's well, not, we're I'm, working on Jim. Not gun, uh, <laughs> not gun, did. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, got to get your mind right, you know, best you can. So it was interesting. Um, definitely pay attention to that part of the book if you choose to read it, because um, they do point to different exercises, different things you can do. So I want to sum up, and I told you, like, we'll segue into what what we'll do for the next one. This was a fantastic book, and I want to challenge us to kind of go back and you write your maybe five greatest things that you maybe didn't know that you found out or some things that were kind of rehashed that really maybe gave you greater insight. Okay. Maybe you knew a little bit, but you didn't. We'll really close out the book with that tomorrow? Yeah, I think that's great. I'd like the challenge. Five. Five. What if I only get four? Fine. <laughs> get what you get. No, that that works. All right. Yep. Good. Questions, comments, concerns, hit us at snackcast at yes.fit. Stay moving. See ya.